Thank you for tuning in to the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We are one church with multiple campuses in the Elgin and Bartlett communities. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org, our church app, or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, may you be blessed by this week's message. Our first reading is Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. For the director of music, a psalm of David, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. The second reading is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. Doubt. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. And more times than not, doubt leads to a deeper faith. I've mentioned this before, but maybe you've grown up thinking that you can't question God, that you can't question the things in your life. You feel like you need to just blindly follow Never questioning. And if you found yourself in that place where, where you did doubt, you just you kept it to yourself. You thought people were going to judge you for asking those questions. They might challenge your faith in God if you have these questions. And so let me tell you today, let me remind you today that it is okay to ask questions. It is okay to doubt at times. This is how you continue to grow in your faith. Think about Thomas. I mean, Thomas doubted, but, but Thomas grew in his faith through that doubt. And so during the series on doubt, I'm encouraging all of you to, to continue to face those questions and to face those doubts and, and truly search for God in the midst of them. And if you have a question that you want to ask, if there's a question that's just burning in your heart that you want to ask a pastor, but you don't necessarily want pastor to know it's you asking the question. There are slips of paper at the Navigation Center. You can write down your question uh, and submit it. Uh, you can submit it to Sherry back there, uh, and she will take that. She will not say, hey, Gail wanted you to see this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because after Easter, we're going to spend some time in Lent. But after Easter, that first Sunday after Easter, we're going to have our Ask a Pastor Sunday. Uh, and we're going, to put, we're going to put Jason on the spot here in Bartlett uh, to answer as many of those questions as possible. I will be put on the spot at Elgin to do the same thing. But, uh, but hopefully you will get some of those questions answered. See what, uh, what it is that you are asking as well. So will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God I, God, I thank you for calling us to this time and this space for encouraging us to, uh, to wrestle with our doubts and to grow deeper in our faith. And so, God, I ask now that, uh, that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but they would be your words and your message for your people. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember sitting at home. Might have been, might have been right after dinner. My pager went off. Now, some of you know what that means. <laughs> But yes, my pager, and so they still use those to a certain degree because this was actually when I was being a chaplain at the Rockford Memorial Hospital. Uh, but this meant that there was some kind of an emergency. Some kind of emergency at the hospital and someone was in desperate need of a chaplain. I called in to find out what the situation was and, and found out that there was a newborn and the parents were asking about an emergency baptism. Now, I'm not going to get into my whole theological problem with the term emergency baptism, uh, but just know that there was an opportunity to extend grace in a moment. I arrived at the hospital and proceeded to scrub in for the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, and, and prepare my heart for this meeting with these parents. They were facing one of the most difficult situations in their life. You see, Nolan, a little infant, had severe edema and was struggling to live. The parents were numb, just staring at their little boy, not aware of many of the other doctors and nurses who were feverishly flying around that infant's bed. Once they realized that I was there, uh, the activity slowed. Nurses began to clear a path for me to approach this innocent life. Water was placed in a small seashell, and I touched Nolan's head, forehead three times, baptizing him in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Tears fell from the parents' eyes, and peace fell upon us. If only momentarily, because then the nurses started their frenzied work again. A couple of hours later, I was called back to Nolan's bedside. The time that I approached the activity was noticeably quieter. The lights had been dimmed. The parents were staring at their infant and the mood had definitely changed. When I approached, one of the nurses told me that Nolan was not going to make it. And Nolan's mom had, had to tell her husband that he would have to be the one to tell the nurses to remove life support. She could not bring herself to say those words. Where is God in these situations? Why does God allow things like this to happen? 
Does this mean that that God is uncaring? That maybe God is incapable of stopping the suffering? What is God's response to human suffering, especially when we talk about the innocent? We can certainly see from the situation that I described and many others how this could lead us down a path of doubt. Why does the innocent suffer? And where is God when all of this happens? So in order to to answer this question or to at least get closer to an understanding, we must acknowledge some of our human assumptions of God. You see, there are, three, uh, there are three things that we assume about God, regardless of their validity. And so I'm going to have some of these up on the screen for you. So here's the first one. Some of them come from scripture passages, uh, but I've always warned us to be careful about proof texting scripture. That is, pulling certain verses out of context so that the Bible fits our narrative And so first we have to assume that if we have faith, God will protect us. Psalm 91 tells us this. It says, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling. If you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Does this mean that that nothing will ever happen to us? It certainly sounds that way. As long as we have a strong enough faith. As long as we have a strong enough faith. The second assumption that we have. Suffering is a punishment for sin. Proverbs 3.12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. We assume that our suffering is God's discipline. We're going to talk about these a little more in depth. But finally, the last one. Oh, actually, sorry, that was three. There should be, there's a fourth one, isn't there? That's just it, okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about those, but this, this last one that I want to mention here is, is everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that phrase? Everything happens for a reason. This tells us that our suffering has a higher purpose. That God has a reason for giving us suffering. God gives us suffering? Really? I have a problem with this. And I wonder if you do too. I've talked about this in the past. Maybe everything happens for a reason, but maybe that reason is because we make bad decisions. I think that's more aligned to the truth. Everything happens for a reason, but that reason is probably that we make bad choices. As we take another step closer to answering these difficult questions, we need to break down these assumptions a little bit. Maybe pick them apart a little bit. And so first, as we think about God protecting us from everything, we should remember a story of another man from Scripture. One that you probably know well. Job. And how he pretty much lost everything. Family, friends, livestock, land, even health failed him. But was this because he 
lacked faith in God? Was it because he lacked faith in God? On the contrary, Job was incredibly faithful. Deeply faithful people experience suffering. We all do. We see it every day, and I'm sure that if I asked all of you, whether you or you know somebody who you would consider to be faithful, if you've experienced suffering, and I bet we all could nod our heads, that yes, we have experienced suffering, or we know, have known somebody who has. Our faith does not protect us from suffering. Maybe we don't want to hear that. But our faith does not protect us from suffering. Next, suffering could be a punishment for sin. Could it? If we look at the entirety of Scripture, we find that God is a loving God, one that is not vindictive. However, one who does discipline us. But I think we need to be clear. God's discipline never comes in the form of physical pain illness, or loss. God's discipline manifests itself through guilt, remorse, examinations of our conscience. We should also recognize that suffering can also come through natural consequences of sin. Natural consequences. I probably don't have to mention this again, but, but when we say that everything happens for a reason, we imply that God is causing all of our suffering. And this can't be farther from the truth. God does not cause our suffering. It's bad theology. And we should reject it whenever we hear it. But if God doesn't cause it, where does our suffering come from? So I want to share four different causes of suffering. You can go on to the next slide. I which is just the title, that's fine. Uh, I want to share four different causes of suffering, although there are, are many others. First, and probably most prominent, is simple human activity. God has blessed us with the ability to make choices. Some would call this free will. Our founder, John Wesley, would call this human liberty. The ability to make choices to follow God's guidance or to turn away from God's guidance. Walk away from God. Our choices affect our lives and sometimes the lives of others, good or bad. Second, there are things that insurance companies call acts of God. We call them natural disasters. These are part of the world that we live in. Throughout history, we hear stories of floods, volcanoes, tropical storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, and earthquakes, just to name a few. These are the results of of living on a planet that can inhabit life. It's a natural part of life. Probably why we call them natural disasters. And we should also acknowledge that some of these disasters are things that, that are a result of our own actions. Especially as we look at climate change and the effect of human living on this earth. Third, we must look at illness. While we don't want to admit it at times, illness is a natural process which is connected to to life, to death, and the environment around us. Cancer, infections, 
neurological disorders, and so many other illnesses we face. It's what's in our world. It's what's happening around us. And lastly, we need to admit that there are things that just happen. We'd call these accidents. But you see, life is governed by physical and and natural laws that we can't get away from. The law of gravity, we cannot get away from it. Anybody who's fallen knows you can't get away from it. Things just happen. And we have to agree that, that God is not the primary agent behind those accidents. So if we agree that, that God is not the cause of our human suffering, what is God's response to human suffering? I believe that God provides comfort and peace in the midst of suffering. This is what one of God's responses to this. When our world seems like it's upside down, God offers an anchor to our souls and brings this sense peace within us. Have you experienced that in the midst of suffering? John tells us in John four, uh, Jesus tells us in John 14 that he offers peace, but it's not the peace that we think of in this world. Jesus doesn't give the way the world gives. The peace that God offers is a peace that surpasses understanding. You ever experienced a sense of peace in the middle of something that you probably shouldn't have? In the midst of a storm, in the midst of a, a family crisis where you seem to find a sense of peace in the midst of it, that is God at work in your life. I also believe, uh, fully believe and trust in Paul's words from, from 828. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God brings good out of suffering. I shared a little bit about the the birth of my daughters last week up in Elgin and how God used that situation to provide comfort and peace to many parents who also spent time in the NICU that my wife and I did, including baby Nolan. Many times this knowledge comes in retrospect as you think about the suffering in your life. You don't notice it at the moment, but afterward you can see how God moved during those difficult times. Many times when when people are asked about uh, difficult times in their lives, they look back on them and they say, you know what? I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. And, And the reason for that is because what has happened out of that situation? Can you say that about circumstances that you have experienced? You know what, you know what, man, that time was incredibly trying in my life. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Because it brought me to where I am today and to who I am today. Finally, God's response to suffering is demonstrated in not only the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate healing, brothers and sisters. The ultimate response to all suffering in this world. Through the resurrection of Christ, God makes the profound statement that the worst thing will never be the last thing. The worst thing will never be the last thing. And so I want to come back to where we began with the the birth and the death of of this little Nolan. Where was God in the moment of suffering? 
God was present in the suffering of little Noah's life and death. God was present in the suffering of Nolan's mom, feeling the feeling of pain and loss and the absolute heartbreak. God was present in the suffering of Nolan's dad and his feeling of pain and frustration and the complete loss of control. God was present in the moments immediately following Nolan's death. The reason I know this is because I entered the room with a family that night, right after Nolan's passing. I asked God for the right words to say in that moment, and maybe you've done the same thing. I felt like my prayers weren't answered because I didn't receive the right words. God was silent. But it was God's way of saying, don't say anything. Just be. I remember sitting down. I don't remember how long I sat there, but it felt like eternity. And it was after about an hour, a family member approached me and asked if I could say a prayer with them. And after sharing that prayer, I told them that I was just going to wait outside of that room that they had, that they had put the family in. And that I wasn't leaving. That I would still be there. It was the next day that they wanted to see me in, in the, the mother's room. But when I went in, she wanted to thank me. I told them, I, I don't know what I did. I'm not really sure how to respond to that. And she said, you don't understand. I want to thank you because here's what you did. You sat down. That was it. You sat down because in that moment, in that moment, my world was spinning. I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know which way was down. I didn't know who was around me or what was going on. But I knew that you were over in the corner. When you sat down, it told me that God wasn't leaving. Certainly, I am not God, but I was a representative. I was a, a reflection of God's light in that room. And when I sat down, that told that mother that God was never going to leave her. God was always going to be right there with them. God was present in the midst of that suffering. They fully believed that God did not cause that suffering and that God didn't need another angel and therefore taking Nolan away from his parents. I believe God's heart broke that day with Nolan's parents. God's heart breaks with us in our suffering. God walks our journeys with us, never leaving us. So let me close by repeating that, that God does not cause suffering. Much of our suffering comes through natural causes, accidents, simple human choices. I mean, I can understand how suffering can bring feelings of doubt and questioning, but this is where our faith can either be tested and fail or tested and strengthened. God's presence is with us always, especially in difficult times. God's presence is with us even in our doubts. And so remember that doubt is not the enemy of faith. 
but a path to a deeper faith. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence with us in the midst of our suffering. God, thank you for the words of assurance that that you will bring good out of all things. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, God's grace is enough for us. Even in the midst of some of those worst times in our life and the suffering that, that we have to endure at times, God's grace is still there. God's grace still offers us strength and power to get through those. God offers his peace in those times. And so go forth today knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. It goes with you always. Amen.